morning and welcome to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome back to an opportunity of hearing from the Lord. We welcome you to a brand new series entitled Bad Advice. How many of you have ever received bad advice? Oh, every hand should be raised, right? You know, it could be as simple as somebody giving you advice about where to eat. You ever had one of those? And they tell you, you got to try this restaurant. Or in the restaurant, they say, you've got to try such and such a dish or meal or dessert or whatever it is. It is the greatest. So you go in and you're all pumped up to check out this restaurant or to check out this dish or this dessert or whatever. And sometimes I bet we've been a little disappointed. That advice that we thought was so good turned out to be not so good. Maybe it's about a place to go. Maybe it's about a, a show or a movie to watch. Maybe it's, maybe it's about uh, whatever the case might be. Someone said, hey, here's an investment. You're going to triple your investment. Just take some money from here and invest in this. Easy money. Whatever the case is, I bet we've had some people that have given us some not-so-good advice. What we're going to be looking at is, is a number of topics, everything from marriage to finances to addictions to contentment and this morning looking at growing in a, a spiritual relationship with God. And what we're going to be seeing at the beginning of these messages, we're going to be taking a look at some of the bad advice. And I tell you that in advance because when we get to that part, you're going to be thinking, why are you preaching this, Pastor? We're going to, we're going to give you the bad advice first. This is some of the advice that maybe individuals in the world, maybe that you have bought into what friends or family or other people have said, well, just do this. It's easier. So we're going to give you a handful of, of bad advice, things that are out there, but to balance the majority of our time, we're going to be looking at good advice, uh, scratch that, God advice, God's advice. We're going to be looking at the Word of God, the Bible, to see what does He have to say in each of these areas, and how can we then make good decisions when it comes to these kinds of topics. Marriage, finances, addictions, relationships, contentment, and spiritual life. So the topic this morning, bad advice, is how to drift from God. So if you're doing a title, that's the title, How to Drift from God. So I've got a question for you, and I'll tell you this in advance too. You don't need to raise your hand. You can just raise it on the inside if this is you. How many of you, at one point in time or another, felt like you were closer to God than you are today? Maybe it was when you first gave your life to the Lord. Maybe it was after a, a powerful Easter or special service or a camp or a, a special time, and, and God was really working in your heart and life. And some point other than right now, some other time in your life, you felt as if you were closer to God. Some of you are maybe you're raising your hands on the inside. Because maybe at some point in time, you were so 
pumped and excited about coming to church, you would come in early and fight for the front rows. You were so pumped and excited, ready to worship God. You were so excited, you would get into God's Word. You could not put this book, God's Word, down. You would read and read and study and memorize, and you could not pry this book, God's Word, out of your hands. Maybe when it, when it came time for prayer, I mean, Every day and, and all day, you, you were just in this, this attitude of, of daily prayer and, and praying and, and communicating with God, both speaking to and praying to as well as seeking to be sensitive to and, and listening to God. And when it came time for His Word, when it came time for His uh, communicating in prayer, when it came time to, to worship in the house of the Lord, you were there. In fact, you wanted to bring everybody with you. I mean, family members brought them to church. Friends brought them to church. Co-workers get in the car going to church. I mean, you're driving around the neighborhood. Anybody, you know, if they're not in a vehicle, if they're not in a house, you are picking them up and bringing them to church. It's almost like kidnapping. Maybe that describes some of you, that at some point in time, you felt as if you were closer to God at then than you are today. Many might say you're lifting your hand on the inside. Many of you might say that describes you. Honestly, you feel as if at this point in time, maybe that passion, maybe that intensity, maybe that desire for the Lord has cooled a bit. It reminds me of the couple who, from the very, very first time that they began dating as, as young people, uh, they, were, they would sit very, very close together in the vehicle. He would drive, and, and she would sit across the bench. She would sit in the middle of the bench, you know, the, the bench in the old pickup truck. So he would drive with one hand, have his arm around his sweet thing, honey, and she'd sit right in the middle of the truck, and they would kind of snuggle together every single time they'd be in the vehicle. Well, 10, 20, 30 years pass, and they're in the vehicle one day, and the wife is now sitting in the passenger side, up against the window, and, and she turns to her husband and she says, Honey, what happened to us? Remember when we always used to cuddle as, as we were driving in the truck? You'd drive with the left hand, and, and your right arm was around me, around my shoulder, and, and I'd kind of put my head on yours, and, and oh, it was, it was romantic, it was cuddly. I mean, what happened to us? The husband smiled playfully and, and said, Well, sweetheart, I wasn't the one who moved. <laughs> now, you see... If there was a time in your life, if you were one who could kind of raise your hand on the inside, if you were one who would say yes to some of those earlier questions, and you felt like at some other point in time in my life, I was closer to God, I did have more passion, I did have more intensity, I did have more energy for the Lord in, in church and Bible and prayer and other things than I do now, I would submit to you that if that describes you, 
God isn't the one who moved. God's still in the driver's seat. It's you or it's me who has moved away. So this morning, we're going to be looking at certainly the bad advice. Well, how do you drift from God? But the good advice, how do we grow in God? See, here's what we know. When it comes to drifting in God, it can be rather easy to do. Have you experienced that? It's kind of easy just to kind of slip away a little bit, slide a a little bit away from that passion, that intensity, that focus, and that desire on the Lord. We, We can do pretty good by ourselves many times in drifting away. But there's also an enemy. There's also an adversary, Satan, the devil, who certainly wants to do his very best to get us to slide away, drift away, and not have that close relationship with God. In fact, it was Jesus who in the Gospels, he basically gave us the business card of the enemy. Remember that? He said that the thief... The enemy, Satan, comes to do three things. This would fit real easy on his business card. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. So for you and I, if we are wanting to know God and and grow in God, that's completely against his mission statement. That's completely against what's on his business card. He's out to steal and kill and destroy in our walk with God. He wants a very active role in trying to lead us away from God. So here's what Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says. It says, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. We've got to listen very carefully. We've got to focus in and tune in to the truth, the truth of God's Word. If not, if we listen to bad advice, if we listen to uh, those in the world, if we listen to individuals who are not God, the danger is that we would drift away from it, from God's Word, from the truth. Anybody been to the ocean? A bunch of you have. Obviously, Here in Alger, we're certainly a a little ways away from the ocean. But if you've been to the ocean and uh, you you kind of waded out uh, so far and just kind of hanging out in the waves, you know that there's that that tide and and those waves that kind of come in every so often. Now, not not a very wise thing to do would be to get on a raft and just go put yourself out into the ocean. It's not like the swimming pool. You can just go lay on a raft, close your eyes, and you're going to stay in the same spot. If you were to do that in the ocean, or even if you were just to kind of go out yourself and kind of wade in the middle of the water, and you closed your eyes a little bit, that current and that wind would begin to take you down the field, down the beach. And you'd open your eyes and say, whoa, I don't recognize this part. It's, it's slow and it's gradual, but it's continual. You would drift away from where you were. And that's the description of many times what can happen in our lives. We don't even recognize, we don't even understand what's taking place 
But little by little, through some of the choices and decisions we've made, as well as the enemy looking to steal and kill and destroy that walk and that relationship with God, little by little, we begin to drift away from the truth of the Word of God. So we're going to start, first of all, with bad advice. I'm telling you in advance, it's bad advice. So don't follow it, but be aware of it. Bad advice. If you want to drift from God, if you want to slip away from that close walk and relationship with Him, number one, neglect your time with God. Go ahead. Neglect time with Him. Don't spend time in the house of the Lord. Don't worship with God. Don't get into this book, whatever you do, because this just might change your life. So don't read. Don't study. Don't pray. Don't don't grow in the communication with the Lord. And don't, don't hang around other people who do in the house of God. I mean, just skip church altogether. But if you do happen to show up, have a critical attitude. It's awesome. Have a critical spirit. You know, find ways to complain. Find ways to, to, to say where everything is wrong. I mean, that's just going to be awesome to neglect time with God. It's going to help you, first of all, begin to slide away, slip away, drift away from God. Neglect time with Him. Here's a second way, second bad advice on how to drift from God. Hang around the wrong crowd. I mean, it's impossible to live the right life when you've got the wrong influences in your life. So seek to be around people. I mean, not just to to witness or to share. I mean, seek to be around people that are the most sinful kind of individuals, and just let that rub off on you. That's going to help you like crazy to drift away from God. Make sure that your friendships are the most sinful as possible. In fact, they're going to help you feel better about yourself, and in the process, just keep dragging you down, keep pulling you away, drifting you away from God. Make sure that you hang around people who ignore Jesus, who despise Jesus, who say and watch and do and are part of incredibly sinful stuff. Because you know what? You, won't, you, just, you can't help but do some of those things too. So if you want to drift from God, that's a, a second great thing to do is to hang around with the wrong crowd. Number three, you want to drift away from God? Give in to temptation. In fact, give in and give in again over and over and over again. Give in to temptation. Just don't resist it because, well, sin's fun. So just do everything that you feel like doing. Do everything that others ask you to do. Give in to every temptation. Don't fight it. Give. In fact, Tell yourself, that's just who you are. You can't help it. You are disposed. You just, you're, you've got this inclination. I just, I have to do this. It's who I am. And when it comes to God and this thing called forgiveness, I mean, if you do ask for forgiveness, I mean, don't worry about that. Just keep doing it over and over again. Give in to sin. Give in to temptation. And above all, rationalize. When you do something wrong, 
Find someone else who is worse than you and just say, at least I'm not as bad as this person. And then keep sinning some more. All of these are are very helpful if you're wanting to drift from God. Number four, love the world more than God. I mean, give in to materialism. Seek more and more and more and more stuff. Let your stuff become more important than God. Go into debt, get into financial bondage, materialism. Uh, Obsess about things that don't really matter. I mean, get involved in stuff that's sports or shopping or hobbies. Anything that will keep you away from God, do those things. And then, in fact, pick up a few more of them. Do more and more and more that keeps you more and more busy, that keeps you away from God. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Just go all in so you're connected to that as opposed to God. And then finally, as if those first four things aren't enough to get us to drift from God, blame God. If you don't like the circumstances that you're in, if you don't like the situation that you're in, just go ahead and blame God. It's all his fault. God's done it all. If a a Christian hurts you, well, then just don't go to church. If a pastor hurts you, don't go to church. If a fellow Christian does something or says something, well, they represent all of Christ, so there's no way I can go to church. Let that drive a wedge between you and God. Have have the, the belief that there should never be any trouble, there should never be any struggles or hardships or trials. And if anything happens, simply blame God. Now, just to see some of your faces out here is a little interesting. I told you in advance where we're going. I told you in advance we're giving you the bad advice, the stuff we should not do first. But it's a little interesting hearing it coming from a pulpit, isn't it? And yet, those are the kinds of things, it's not that we're out shouting it, but yet, these are the very kinds of things, if we're not careful, we have probably been guilty of in our lives. Maybe not all of them, but a little bit of this one and a little bit of that one. And pretty soon, if you and I were to look back at our spiritual life, We would say, well, I started right here on the shore in my spiritual life, and little by little, some of these things crept in. I opened up my eyes, and I'm way down the shore. I'm a lot farther away from God than when I started. If you and I are not careful and we allow these things to creep in, it will cause us to drift from God. Some of these are are things of our own choosing, our own choice, determining to do these things. Some of these things the enemies had a pretty active role in. But one way or another, many times they creep in and cause us to drift from God. What we need to do is to grow in God. What he wants us to do is not just come to him and struggle and, and, you know, admit that we've done wrong and put our trust and believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and confess our sins. He wants us to continue day after day after day to grow in him and to grow closer, even closer to him. That's what we're going to be looking at the majority of our time, the balance of our time is this. How do we grow in God? 
What are some things that we can do to strengthen our relationship with God? And if you've jotted those down, you're going to notice this is pretty much just an absolute 180 in reversal. Number one, if you want to grow in your walk with God, we must prioritize time with God. See, what happens is when we neglect time with God and we don't do all those things we've talked about, that that slipping takes place, that drifting takes place. If you and I are wanting to grow and we're wanting to be intentional about growth, we've got to prioritize time with God. Here's what David the psalmist writes in Psalm 63, verse 1. He says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. This is an incredible verse. He says, Earnestly I seek after you, God. I desire this walk. I desire this relationship. I desire to be as close to you as possible. In fact, he says, I seek, I thirst, and I long for you. No doubt we have been thirsty at some point in time. Typically, it's middle of the summer when it's that 90 plus, maybe up to 100 degree range, and you're outside uh, working in the yard or outside playing with kids or grandkids, whatever the case might be. It's hot outside. You get hot and sweaty, and you think, oh, I just, I long for a cold glass of water, cold Mountain Dew. I, I, I long for something to drink. I thirst. The psalmist says this was his desire for God. He was longing for, thirsting after, seeking his God. And so he was prioritizing time to make sure that he was spending it with God. It's the kind of attitude and approach that we must have if we are desiring to grow. I want to encourage you, faithfully get into God's word. Don't neglect it. Get into God's word. We've mentioned this multiple times Every single year as we have paper Bible reading guides for free, there are three of them in the foyer. Grab one, follow along, and dig into God's Word. We also encourage you with the Bible app. If you've got a smartphone or tablet, you can download the Bible app with all kinds of reading plans, all kinds of devotionals, all kinds of video teachings and helps. He'll even encourage you by keeping track of the number of days in a row that you've gotten into the Word of God or checking off uh, the lists and categories and plans that you've finished. Get into God's Word and then allow God's Word to get into you, into your heart, into your life. Learn and study and memorize. It's a part of prioritizing time with Him. God speaks to us, encourages us, strengthens us, Through his word. Faithfully get into his word. Faithfully invest time and spend time in prayer. Commit to pray and and communicate with God as we share our heart and and pray to God. Maybe we pray about needs and we pray about the, the things that we're facing. But also seek to be quiet, be still, and and allow him to speak to our heart either through his word or, or through that time of prayer, that he would nudge us and guide us and direct us. 
Do we faithfully prioritize time with him? His word, his prayer, worshiping in his house. A great challenge, a great encouragement. You are here this morning. Awesome. Return next week. Bring somebody with you. Allow them that opportunity of experiencing the worship together with God's people in God's presence in God's house. We can do so on a regular basis. God's word talks about that. Not forsaking that assembling together, that getting together as as the manner of some do, but exhorting and encouraging others all the more as we see the day approaching. Come ready. Come expecting. In fact, even before church, come prayed up. Come having read the Bible so that you are ready for what God has. You just know that you know that you know in the worship time, in the prayer time, in the message time, God's going to speak something into your heart, and you come ready and expecting. We do that when we go to a sporting event. We just know we're going to see something awesome. You go to a concert, you watch a show, whatever the case is, we go in expecting something incredible. I want to challenge you. Let's have that thought. As we prioritize time with God in his word and in prayer and and worship in his house, we can come ready knowing that God is going to meet and speak to our hearts and our lives. Secondly, along with prioritizing time with God, you want to grow with Him? You want to further your walk in your relationship? Invest time with the right people. With the right people. Here's what 1 Corinthians 15.33 says. And Paul writes, he says, Do not be misled. In other words, don't misunderstand this. Catch the truth of what's about to speak. He says, bad company corrupts good character. You and I must be intentional about our relationships. Now, quick word of note, that does not mean that as a Christian that we never talk to and never associate with anyone who's not a Christian. Be pretty hard to do that. But who are the people that are closest to us? Who are the people that, that speak into our lives the most? Whose, whose life, whose insights, whose advice we listen to most? Are they godly individuals? Men and women who have a relationship with God? Or are they people who are far from Him? It's a quote that I've mentioned many times. It's probably one of the most impacting quotes. I'd heard it as a young person myself in college, shared it in youth ministry and in both churches that I served. I've shared it here in senior pastoring and ministry. I've, I've shared it with young people. I've shared it with adults. I didn't write it, but I certainly used it a lot. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. It's basically summing up what 1 Corinthians is saying. Bad company corrupts good character. In other words, we become like the people that we hang around with the most. That's why it's so important for young people, for children, for teens, for youth, adults as well. The people we spend the most time with, we become the most like. 
the attitudes, the actions, the speech, the interests. The more time that we hang out with individuals who are far from God, the more likely those types of things begin rubbing off on us and drifting us away. Now, this isn't an illustration of godly with ungodly. It's just simply a matter of here's how things can impact and affect. Most of you know that I was born in Illinois. My dad was a pastor, lived in several different cities in Illinois, then moved to upstate New York, then to Connecticut, was in a number of different high schools, graduated high school in Connecticut, came to Missouri for some of God Bible College, and, and then to Ohio. So I lived in multiple states, multiple cities, multiple school systems, multiple parts of the area before coming to Ohio. God brought me to Kim, and we were married, and after a few years, having a brand new little baby, Autumn. And when it came time to, to change the thing that Autumn was wearing on her hind end called a diaper... I said, hey, would you like me to change your diaper? Because that's what it's called. And Kim would say this phrase, and I'd never heard it before. And I didn't know if it was a Gardner thing or a, a Hardin County thing or an, an Ohio thing. But when there was something in that diaper causing that diaper to need to be changed, Kimmy would say, I'm going to change your butt. And at first, I, I thought it was funny, and, and at first, I, I thought it was humorous, and, and at first, I'd kind of, you know, playfully correct her. Well, well you mean diaper, because, I mean, she's going to have the same rear end, you know. The diaper's all we're changing. But that, that was built in, and that was ingrained in her, and, and from, uh, from, you know, nieces, nephews, those types of things, that's what was done, and that's what was said. So fast forward a little bit in time to me going to change that thing on the rear end of our little girls. What did I begin saying? Hey, Kim, yeah, I'll change your butt. I never used that word diaper again. The more that we hung out, the more the longer we were married, the more diapers I began changing, I no longer said I'm going to change diapers. I, I, I began, I was, I was drifting away. Drifting away from changing diapers and, and drifting over towards Kimmy's ways. It's a playful illustration, but you get the point. You and I know, and you can probably have your own illustration of that family member, of that friend, of that coworker, of that student. Something that maybe wasn't so playful, maybe something that was a little bit more sinful in nature. But as a result of that time spent, that connection with that person, you began to be much more open to saying, doing, thinking, going to these types of places by hanging out. Show me your friends. Show me the individuals you invest the most time in. I'll show you a picture of the reality of your future. Be intentional with your friendships. For we become most like the people we hang out with and around the most. Proverbs 27, 17 says, 
As iron sharpens iron, so one man or one individual sharpens another. The people that we are around, they're either able to sharpen us and lead us and guide us and encourage us closer to God, or they're going to drag us away and we begin drifting farther and farther away from Him. Invest time in the right godly people. Yes, connect with people who don't know the Lord. We want to be able to share and to witness and and to speak to them about Christ. But who do we hang out with most? Who do we let impact us? Make sure they're individuals who are seeking to live for God. Number three, you want to grow in God? It's going to involve resisting temptation. Again, looking at John 10.10, the enemies business card. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life to the fullest, life more abundantly. James writes in chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Resist temptation. Now, a couple weeks ago, as we were wrapping up the Lord's Prayer, we talked about lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We saw that God would provide that way out, that way of escape. 1 Corinthians talks about that. The challenge is we've then got to be able to take it. We've got to take the way out that God provides and that God supplies. Maybe even backing up a little further, as opposed to getting in difficult and challenging and sinful situations, let's not put ourselves there in the first place. Begin to be proactive intentionally in advance, not going places we know would be challenging or, in, or uh, challenging to us spiritually. Avoiding circumstances and situations that would cause the temptation in the first place. Many things that we can do to resist temptation. Certainly, when God provides the way of escape, allow God to strengthen you to take that way. Number four, want to grow in God? Love Him more than anything. Let Him be first in your life. Now, there's a lot of great things. There's a lot of hobbies, a a lot of things that we can get involved in and and active in and participate in. Man, I love lots of things. But do we love God more than anything? We, We toss that word love around a lot, right? Man, I love fried chicken. I love pizza. I love ice cream. You can fill in anything that you want there. I love doing this. I love going there. I I love, I love, I love. Oh, we love all kinds of stuff. Do we love God? Do we desire that relationship with Him more than anything else? See, when it comes to love, Jesus said this, Matthew 22, 37, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. We can love God with our time. We can see, take a look at the calendar, and we can see what's most important. What we make time for, what we skip out on, and what we choose to take part in, that's going to show us what's most important. 
Where are we investing our time? How about our talent? Are we committed to using the, the gifts and talents and abilities that God's given to us? We can love him in our time. We can love him in our talents. Uh-oh, there's a third T. We can love him with our treasure. We can love him with our resources. So. Christian financial advisor who said this, that he could tell a whole lot about an individual simply by looking at their checkbook. For some of you, you'd say, what's a checkbook? It's an old relic, piece of paper. <laughs> you write down what's in the bank in your account and you, you add to and you subtract from. Whatever the case might be, we can tell when you look at our calendars and when you look at our, our checkbook or our finances, whatever is most important to us, that's where we're investing time and that's where we're investing our resources. The challenge is let's love God with all of those areas, our time, our talent, our treasure. Are we honoring God? Are we returning that tithe to Him before other things? Because that's the challenge. Most people... If there's anything left, I'll give to God. The challenge and the encouragement is to give to God first. It doesn't take any faith to give to God last. If there's leftovers, great, I'll, I'll slide a little something to God. Zero faith involved in giving leftovers. Incredible faith involved in giving to God first. Want to grow in God? Let's love Him more than absolutely anything. Finally this morning, I want to grow in God, take personal responsibility. Know that we have that opportunity, we have that responsibility of my walk and my relationship with God. I know there's maybe past issues with individuals because of a church or a pastor or a leader or a Christian or a hypocrite. You name it, there have been challenges, no doubt. Unfortunately, I'm sorry that those things have happened, whatever has taken place in your past. I want to encourage you to get your eyes off of man, but onto Jesus Christ. Here's what Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3 says, that we look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. In other words, he's the beginning, he's the end, he's everything in between. Our faith rests in Him. It's great that we can have uh, individuals that, that maybe would be a guide to us or an encouragement to us. Ultimately, let's take responsibility to say, I want to grow in God and I'm going to keep my eyes focused on Him because He will never let us down. Whether it's other individuals, whether it's me as a pastor, don't put me up on a pedestal or look. I certainly want to do my very best to lead and encourage others in Christ. My encouragement would be 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, my encouragement to you. But it's only as we're following Christ. Here's, here's the facts. Here's the truth. My heart... And my desire is not to let you down and disappoint you. If I haven't yet, I probably will. Not intentionally. But there will probably be decisions or things that I say, let's do this or let's go this way, let's go this direction, and you don't think we should. 
and you're going to get mad, or you're going to get upset, or you're going to say, boy, I, I wish you would have went left instead of right. My heart and my goal is not to discourage individuals. But if your eyes are on me and I make a decision for some reason you don't like, if you're looking to me and not to the Lord, that's going to cause you to separate from and drift from the Lord. Whereas if your eyes are on the Lord, he say, that might not be my decision. That might not have been the, the one I would have made. I'd prefer us to go this direction. You're saying this direction. But ultimately, I'm going to follow God he's in charge let's take responsibility rather than saying well it's because of this 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 and this i no longer want to serve god you and i have the opportunity of growing in our own walk with god take personal responsibility for growing with him seek to love god more than anything resist temptation invest time with the right people prioritize time with God.